It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 75, David in the Court of Saul. After David marries Michal, the jealousy of Saul only increases. Saul commands his son Jonathan and all his attendants to kill David. David hears of the death threats, and he flees away from Saul until his temper cools. Jonathan approaches his father to convince him to leave David alone, and Saul relents and declares he will not put David to death, and David returns to his place in the court of Saul. In the court of Saul, David remained until the Philistines attacked again, and David struck them with such great force they fled before them. No doubt another victory parade pushed Saul over the edge, for Saul's demons could not allow David to remain in his court. While David was playing the harp, Saul tried to kill David again with the spear, but David dodged the spear and escaped to his room in Saul's palace. In his room, he fled. Imagine the scene with me. David and his wife, Michal, are in the room in the palace, and Saul has posted guards at the door with orders to kill David in the morning. Michal, his wife, looked at him and said, If you don't escape, they will kill you in the morning. Mikkel has helped David escape out of the window. Like the spies at Jericho and like Saul of Tarsus escaping from Damascus, David escaped down the wall of the palace of Saul. 1 Samuel 19.13 Then Mikkel took an idol and laid it on the bed, covered it with a garment, and put some goat's hair at the head. When Saul sent the men to capture David, Michal said, He is ill. Then Saul sent the men back to see David and told them, Bring him up to me in his bed so that I may kill him. And when the men entered, there was the idol in the bed, and at the head was some goat's hair. Saul said to Michal, Why did you deceive me like this and send my enemy away so that he escaped? Michal told him, He said to me, Let me get away. Why should I kill you? So Michal lied to Saul to give David some time and kept Saul from possibly imprisoning her as well. Michal's an interesting woman. Let's leave it here that the Bible never says David actually saw her again for many, many years, especially his wilderness years. It appears she rejected him with her father because we don't read of her visiting David in the wilderness journeys on the run from Saul. She appears to have preferred the safety of court life over the life of her husband. Saul will eventually marry her off to another man, but David will meet her again many, many years from now. Now imagine with me, David, he made good his escape, but he's out in the fields and he looks back in the city and the palace of Saul and his old life. He'd made good his escape, but now he was outside the security of his people and nation, hated by the king of his nation and people. David was a hunted criminal by Saul. He was at the top of the most wanted list in Israel for the crime of being too anointed or successful. This season of being on the run, this season of contradiction, 
that David is in from here on out for at least over a dozen years. So this is where we arrive at that all-too-common biblical season of contradiction. Here is David, the anointed next king of Israel, rejected and despised and nearly killed by the current king. So far in his life, he's been anointed king by Samuel. He had killed a lion and a bear, and he had killed Goliath and won numerous battles against the Philistines. He was the most famous land in all of Israel. But now, at this very moment, he was a refugee in his own land. David had arrived at his season of contradiction where everything is contrary to the word of God, the time and place where one's faith is tested the most. For historical parallels, we look no further than Abraham, who was promised descendants as numerous as the stars and sand on the seashore, only to be childless for over a dozen years. Or Moses, who lived in total seclusion in the desert for 40 years, where God called him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Or above all, the Son of God, Jesus himself. We know of his birth, a scene in the temple around the age of 12. And then we learn of him when he is 30 years old. Where are the missing years? Well, they are the season of isolation and contradiction. When the calling is so far from us. When the prophetic words appear to have been put on hold. When one takes their faith deep in God. Some call this the season, the season of process, where we learn we're in progress, and it's all part of the journey that God hasn't forgotten us, even though we are so far from the pictures and scenes or words we were given over our lives. This is, of course, when we learn the character traits of Jesus. It's so fitting, Jesus' word, that one must go lower to go higher. If David was instantly given the kingdom, would he really be much different than Saul? It's the upside-down kingdom of heaven. Let me explain. Even if I did it so many times before, this is essential to an authentic walk with Jesus. On earth, Jesus went lower to go higher. He came as a sacrifice for our sins. And in his teaching, he told us we must be humble and meek and peacemakers. Jesus came down from the mountain in Matthew 5 and declared these profound words. Matthew 5 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So check it out. In Jesus' language, the humble get the kingdom. The mourners are comforted. The meek inherit the earth. Blessed are the hungry and merciful and persecuted. The pure in heart get supernatural sight, and the persecuted get the kingdom. How opposite is Jesus Christ's worldview? The world says power comes through wealth and power and greed. Jesus says authentic power comes through love and humility, meekness and such. It's the upside-down Christian worldview. This is Jesus, humble and meek and persecuted. 
To conclude this episode of Message to Kings, let's make this very practical and end it with a historical story. If you feel you are in a similar season as David here, here is your biblical example to learn from. David will be on the run from Saul for many years. One of the amazing things about David's life is we can relate to him at some point in his life because he is so human. I've heard it said that if you're going through something, just go to Psalms and you'll find David has gone through it as well. And God can refresh you through his word and the Psalms. In this episode, I challenge the listeners to sometimes embrace the unpractical. It says of Jesus that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness for a 40-day fast where he was tempted by the devil. Embracing the impractical allows us to understand that as long as we are walking with God, we can still understand we are in his will, even though it doesn't make sense or it doesn't feel like it or look like it. No doubt David shed many a tear as he ran from his wife, best friend, and kingdom he fought and bled for. What we will see as David runs from Saul, he has nowhere to run but God. And during this time, we learn that he writes most of his Psalms on the run, contrary to his calling and the word of God spoken through Samuel that he would be king. It's fascinating that a significant number of the songs of David were written during his hardest times and his times of hardship. We know looking through history that some of the greatest songs and psalms and hymns were written when the creator was working through some form of emotional turmoil dealing with contradictions. Funny thing, emotional stability sometimes is bad for a songwriter. So this leads me to a horrible yet wonderful story. Let's end this account with the historical account of a songwriter and a story because it shows what happens to a man in his lowest of lows when they continue to live for God, even in the worst of situations. Here's an excerpt from an article on a Methodist website regarding the history of hymns. This is on the songwriter Horatio Spaggard. The hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, has an incredible heart-wrenching background story to the psalm. Here is the excerpt of the article. The author, Horatio Spafford, was a Presbyterian layman from Chicago. He had established a very successful legal practice as a young businessman and was also a devout Christian. Among his close friends were several evangelists, including the famous Dwight Moody, also from Chicago. Spafford's fortune evaporated in the wake of the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Having invested heavily in real estate along Lake Michigan's shoreline, he lost everything overnight. In a saga reminiscent of Job, his son died a short time before his financial disaster, but the worst was yet to come. Kenneth Osbeck tells the story. Desiring a rest for his wife and four daughters, as well as wishing to join and assist Moody and Sankey in one of their campaigns in Great Britain, Spafford planned a European trip for his family in 1873. 
In November of that year, due to unexpected last-minute business developments, he had to remain in Chicago but sent his wife and four daughters on ahead as scheduled on the SS Velay du Havre. He expected to follow in a few days. On November 22nd, the ship was struck by the Lockhearn, an English vessel, and sank in 12 minutes. Several days later, the survivors were finally landed at Cardiff, Wales, and Miss Stafford cabled her husband, saved alone, for their four daughters had gone down with the ship. Spafford left immediately to join his wife. This hymn is said to have been penned as he approached the area of the ocean, thought to be where the ship carrying his daughters had sunk.
Hope you enjoyed this episode of Message to Kings. Stay tuned next week as we continue to see David on the run from attacks of King Saul. And we lead into one of the worst sins ever committed in the kingdom of Israel. Feel free to visit the Facebook page and leave a comment or question. Or if you want to chat, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.